The Crude Life with Jason Speece. Welcome to The Crude Life Week in Review. My name is Jason Speece. Thank you very much for joining us. It was a busy, busy week at The Crude Life as we finished the year 2020 and looked ahead at the year 2021. And let me tell you, folks, we got a great program in store for you this week. We have John Cook, State Senator John Cook, State Senator John Cook of Colorado, District Number 13, going to join the program here in just a moment to talk about what's going on in Colorado. They have some new regulations starting January 15th. A lot of political activity happening down there, and that is really the only way to describe it. In fact, it's so political down in Colorado right now. For the oil and gas industry and other industries, the governor wrote a book years and years ago called The Colorado Blueprint. The Colorado Blueprint. And it has to do with taking over state governments and putting in their own ideology. Come hell or high water, cook or crook or whatever you want to call it, so much so that in Colorado, they sent out mistakenly a batch email list calling oil companies Snake Oil, 666, Lorax, all kinds of derogatory things from a government state agency. Yet, According to, you know, everybody, the way the media works, if a tree falls in the forest and the press didn't report it, did the tree really fall? So it's one of those things that are happening. So we're going to have State Senator, Colorado State Senator John Cook on the program here in just a minute or two to talk about what's going on in Colorado, what the oil and gas industry should be prepared for as these new regulations get ready to get enacted, intacted, and maybe one day redacted. Who knows? Needed a rule of threes in there, folks, with the rhyming. So there you go. But that's what we have on the plate there as things get ready and changing in the Rocky Mountain State, Colorado. By the way, folks, the Bakken is in the Rocky Mountain region. So to think that this is not relevant to maybe a Wyoming or a Colorado or a Texas or a North Dakota, it is. It is, because a lot of these states are templating in Colorado right now what they learned in New York and what they learned in California, and they're perfecting it right now to bring to a state near you. And then we're going to play from our pilot program. We're going to play you a segment from our pilot program, Play Hard, Work Hard. It's a online podcast daily show, morning show for the oil and gas industry. We've done a few pilot programs, and... The co-host, I'm hosting it, and the co-host, Sterling, he grew up in Saudi Arabia on an American air base. His dad worked for Ramco, which used to be Standard Oil, and now it's Saudi Aramco. But over there, there's a compound, and it started in 1940 with a couple trailers in the desert, and now there's golf courses and private schools and public schools. Anyway, I don't know about public schools, but there's schools. And Sterling went to school there. He went to elementary school there. His dad worked for Aramco, and in this city, this compound, it was all employees of Aramco, and then, of course, the service people that are there that worked at the commissary slash grocery store, et cetera. So we're going to have some stories with Sterling coming up in the latter part of the program. Uh, duck and cover. They lived in, in Saudi Arabia. The oil bases are prime targets 
for missiles and bombs from the Iran-Iraq conflicts going on and that sort of thing. So he talks about growing up in Saudi Arabia, their duck and cover drills, because at any time the refinery near their school could be bombed and that sort of thing. So interesting, interesting uh, childhood for Sterling the co-host of Play Hard, Work Hard. All right, what else do we got coming up here? Let's see, we got State Senator John Cook from Colorado. We've got a segment from the Play Hard, Work Hard, Crude Life Morning Show, and also Fossil Fuel Fridays. So we'll hand off the baton to end the program with Matthew Hill of Night Energy and Ken Lavin of Winter Mud, and together the Wonder Twin Powers activate and they create Fossil Fuel Fridays it's a video series that they put together. So every Friday, they release one on their YouTube channel and their, and their LinkedIn channel. And we, of course, are fortunate enough to pick up the license rights of Fossil Fuel Friday to showcase their energy enthusiasm through the airwaves. Fossil Fuel Fridays to conclude the program. But right now, Colorado State Senator and former Sheriff of Weld County, John Cook. All right, we have Senator, State Senator, Colorado State Senator Cook joining us here. John Cook, former sheriff of Weld County District. Oh, boy. 13. 13. Okay, thank you. Lucky I al- 13. Lucky, lucky 13. Well, my name is Jason, so for me, 13 is lucky. <laughs> <laughs> So, all right, let's let's start off with a little bit about uh, a Colorado update here. We had a we had a very interesting 2021 from uh, from the COVID side of things, but uh, the regulations seem to really kind of wait till the end of the year before a lot of changes came in. But there have been some changes in 2020 with uh, oil and gas regulations, haven't there? Yeah, yes, quite a few. Um, yeah, you know, and I'm going to get a little political here. Um, you know. The governor wouldn't know the, um, the truth if it hit him in the face because <laughs> you know, he, he talked about, um, hey, the war on oil and gas is over. It's time to move on and, you know, promote, you know, business. And, and then he turns around and um, like two days after he says that the war on oil and gas is over, he turns around and the um, Oil and Gas Commission, um, COGCC, uh, that he appoints. Um, with no Republicans on there, mind you, all uh, Democrats or independents that lean left and um, all far left environmentalists um, turn around two days later and propose a 2000 foot setback from basically any dwelling, any house, any dwelling. Um, and with but, uh, they could give some variances. And um, so, yeah, they, there's a lot of restrictions going on. Um, not only on the setbacks, but on air quality control and wildlife restrictions. So um, it's going to be a it's going to be a tough year for oil and gas in Colorado. Let me jump in for just a second here because when I was down in Colorado a few months ago, like I want to say October, maybe September, there there was. I talked to a number of state officials, and they basically said that well, there's kind of a truce going on, and. You know the, the the governor and the oil and gas industry and the government officials they're they're working together till after the election's done. Then they're going to meet once again, and that's at least the impression was that there was going to be some sort of meeting collaboration to see if there can be some sort of uh, agreement moving forward. Um, what 
what, what you just said made me think of that. Was that the case? Was there this kind of this truce? And then because to me, it seems like the governor just did exactly what he did when he got elected. Right. Yeah, no. Uh, th- yeah, there were meetings, but there was no collaboration. It was uh, the government or COGCC telling oil and gas how it's going to be. You know, oil and gas would come in with uh, with um, evidence and sci- well, scientific evidence. And then they would hear from environmentalists who, you know, uh, make up stuff that you know that's uh, pulls on people's uh, emotions, and they um, didn't listen to what oil and gas had to say. And uh, they, uh, you know, the, the commission, like I said, the, one of the commissioners said, "Look, if I could do a mile setback, I would do it." And you know, so it's, the commission is really anti-oil and gas. And like I said, the governor tried to give that impression like, by saying, "Oh, the war is over." And we're going to work together. But then the commission, literally two days later, came out with um, uh, 2,000 foot setbacks, and which is going to be very difficult for oil and gas to uh, abide by, even here in Weld County. And so, yeah, there was, like I said, no no collaboration. And you know, th- and then the staffers. I don't know if you heard about this. The staffers of the COGCC were testing a new um, email system or computer system, and they accidentally sent emails to the oil and gas companies and that was supposed to be an internal email, but they called, um, uh, oil and gas companies. Uh, basically one company was identified as six, six, six. The other one was, um, identified as that Dr. Seuss character. The, uh, can't think of what it is right now. Um, Grinch. No, not the Grinch. Um, it's not Lazor, it's um, uh, Larynx or something like that. Oh, Lorax. Lorax, yeah. It was called one company, the Lorax. Saw Snake Oil was another one. Yes, Snake Oil. And so they called all these companies, you know, uh, those names. And so that just gives you um, the idea of how much COGCC is anti Colorado State Senator John Cook, I'm going to ask you to hold that thought for just a moment or two. We're going to take a brief pause. We come back, we'll continue the conversation with Colorado State Senator John Cook. This is the Crude Life Week in Review. My name is Jason Spies on the Crude Life Media Network. Well, I was born under a harvest moon. And I wasn't too late and I wasn't too soon. I was born on the first day of my life And I was two years old when John Lennon died I was two years old when John Lennon died. The Crude Life is sponsored in part by... It takes an industry to build a forest. Hey folks, Jason Spies with The Crude Life. Did you know about half the trees planted in the last 20 to 30 years have died within the first year? Lack of watering, transplant shock, special interest groups, poor growing conditions are just a few reasons it takes an industry to build a forest, and that is exactly what the industrial forest does. Sustainability sheds, critical pipeline systems are implemented to ensure 
the forest survives and absorbs carbon for decades to come. It takes an industry to build a forest. If you're interested in sustainable forests, growing industry jobs, check out theindustrialforest.com. That's theindustrialforest.com. Welcome back to the Crude Life Week in Review. My name is Jason Spies. Thank you, folks, for joining us. Coming up next, we continue the conversation with Colorado State Senator, District 13, John Cook. When does the state step in? Is there an ethics commission? Is there any sort of, uh, you know, recourse on something like this? Or is it, hey, bend over and take it, buddy? Yeah, basically, it's uh, <laughs> bend over and take it. Um, there is an ethics commission, but it doesn't have anything to do with um, government regulations. It more has to do with political violations. But the only recourse, really, is the courts. And because some of these regulations, in my opinion, are takings. And it's a violation of our state constitution to have the state do a taking without you know, compensation. And so these mineral uh, right owners who are not now going to be able to uh, develop their minerals um, uh, have, uh, had the government had a taking from them. And so they're going to be out money. So I think the, what we're going to see is a series of lawsuits against some of these regulations based on, uh, like you said, the discrimination, but also on the takings that the government is doing to not only the oil and gas companies, but the individual landowners who depend on these minerals. I was talking to a dairy farmer. It was about a year or so ago when uh, 112 was up on the ballot. He said, if that passes, I'm going to have to fold my uh, dairy farm. I, I can't make it on, on just dairy. I, I depend on oil and gas mineral rights and the future mineral rights that I have under the ground to, to survive. So I think that's where we're going to see the, the, the direction that the state is headed um, when it comes to these regulations. I always heard a rumor, and I thought I checked it one time, that the, the governor, uh, Jared Polis, before he was elected, he had written a book called The Colorado Blueprint. Are you familiar with that? Yeah, yes. What, yeah. Do, 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 do you him. have a short version of just kind of the history behind that? Yeah, it wasn't just him. There was um, there were four of them, and basically it's the you know Democrat big donors, and they came up with a... Uh, what they call the blueprint on how to take Colorado back. And they poured millions and millions of dollars into uh, getting Democrats elected and, um, and, and redistricting. So um, they got control of one of the chambers. They redistrict. Well, um, the Republicans had one chamber, the Democrats had the other. And the Democrats knew that um, if they didn't cooperate and if they stuck to their guns on the redistricting, it would go to uh, a Denver district court who was appointed by uh, Democrat governors and a Democrat judge, and that they would win. And so that the judge sided with the Democrats for the last two times we redistricted. But that was part of their plan, was to put uh, Democrats in, in the chambers. And it worked, because now we have uh, Democrat Senate and the Democrat House and a Democrat governor. And we have very little power to stop them. So that was part of the blueprint, was to pour money into Democrat candidates, get them elected, and then take over the state, pretty much uh, what they've done. You look at states like North Dakota, New Mexico came out with some recent numbers. Uh, North Dakota, anywhere from 50 to 60% of the general budget's tied to the uh, two oil and gas taxes. And then in New Mexico, like I said, a bunch of the yes. taxes dollars came out at how much reliant they are as well. I'm not sure about Colorado. I know Wyoming is pretty pretty heavy into energy, but they've got a lot of coal and, and uh, natural gas and, and to go with their oil and gas or go with their oil expiration. But 
Where, where's the disconnect? Because it seems that there's a lot of public officials who do not understand where the taxes come from. Does that make sense? <laughs> yeah, well. <laughs> Sorry, that, that was a long pause there. I didn't sure if I'd asked the right question. Right. Uh, yeah, no, I, I know what you're saying. and But the, no, it doesn't make sense uh, because um, so much tax revenue is generated by oil and gas in this state. $200 million to uh, K-12 um, comes from oil and gas and uh uh, and the severance taxes and, um, you know, the, uh, you know, the general budget, not just not just tax money. Um, but, you know, when you have one hundred forty four thousand employees in the state that work for oil and gas, you know, they're paying income tax they're doing sales tax they're um, you know, going to restaurants. Um, so the state's getting money from there. Forty four percent of downtown Denver, uh, the office space is oil and gas related. And so they're getting money from the oil and gas industry through their leases of the buildings, through the employees down there who visit the restaurants. And so it's hundreds of millions of dollars um, that goes into the uh, state budget every year from oil and gas. But you're right. The, there's legislators who either don't know or just don't care because they have a, another agenda. Their agenda is, you know, um, placating the Sierra Club and the far left ra- uh, radical environmentalists. So they just don't care, and they just think, well, you know what? If we don't have oil and gas, we'll just develop wind and solar, and that'll you know cure all of our problems. What I don't get is you know that that mentality, and it is a mentality. And listen, it's here at the Crude Life, we say it's almost easier to talk to a brick wall than it is to <laughs> to someone. Well, it's true though. It's yeah, listen, right. I, I've got a 14 year old and I, and I was, I raised him. So I, I was a father and I know what it's like to talk to children. And, right. and, and it's very similar right now. It's very similar. And I'm going to transition to the North face. Um, I'm not, I'm sure you followed that a little bit as far as the, the uh, rejecting business from oil gas companies on, on the grounds that, they do not do business with uh, companies that do tobacco, pornography, and oil and gas. And that was the first time I've seen now publicly that oil and gas has got lumped in with tobacco. And I've never seen pornography before. That was a new one, but okay. Um, and by the way, your car does not run on Joe Camels and your house is not powered by Marlboros. So there's a big difference between tobacco and, and oil and gas. Yeah, there's a smokestack, but go take a look, and it's totally different smoke. A lot of that white stuff right. is steam, by the way, people. It's Absolutely. St- it's steam. Okay. Um, so uh, but my question is, is that the North Face, and uh, is it VF Corporation, I believe, is the parent company? They're out of Denver. And they have that same kind of bull mentality, blue bull mentality, the blue boulder rolling down the hill, you know. And, right. um, you know, they just purchased some land outside of the uh, uh, outside of Denver for their private jets to come in. But they've got a whole line of FR clothing. So you've got fire resistant clothing that not only is made out of the oil and gas products, but it, your number one client is the oil and gas industry. So from a shareholder corporate governance standpoint, from a, just a sheer who rejects business during a pandemic when everybody's begging for business, it just seems like there is a bigger agenda here that's really well-funded at the corporate governor type of level. Now, 
those are just two examples that I brought in, but I, I, it just seems different, you know? It just seems like there is like a boulder rolling down the hill. Yeah, no, you're, you're absolutely right. And, and, and that's part of the problem is that, um, you know, Denver Boulder controls the state. And it's the legislature and at the governor's mansion, and they have this anti-business attitude. And again, they have an anti-oil and gas uh, attitude and feeling, and and they don't want to do business. They you know they want to divest you know from any um, retirement fund that uh, has oil and gas uh, in in their portfolio. Um, so they yeah they have a very much anti-oil and gas, anti-business attitude, not just towards oil and gas. You mentioned cigarettes or tobacco. Um, I don't smoke, but you know what? I don't care if people do. That's their choice. But they, they want to control people, and they do it through this type of legislation or this type of business practices. And that was Colorado State Senator John Cook. To listen to the full-length interview or to check out other exclusive interviews, visit thecrudelife.com. That's thecrudelife.com. Well, you can be my little pony, I'll be your big stud. You can be Bugs Bunny, I'll be Elmer Fudd. I'll follow you, I think you know the word. If we were all pigs, we'd be getting dirty. The Crude Life is sponsored in part by... It takes an industry to build a forest. Hey folks, Jason Spies with The Crude Life. Did you know about half the trees planted in the last 20 to 30 years have died within the first year? Lack of watering, transplant shock, special interest groups, poor growing conditions are just a few reasons it takes an industry to build a forest, and that is exactly what the industrial forest does. Sustainability sheds, critical pipeline systems are implemented to ensure the forest survives and absorbs carbon for decades to come. It takes an industry to build a forest. If you're interested in sustainable forests, growing industry jobs, check out theindustrialforest.com. That's theindustrialforest.com. Welcome back to the Crude Life Week in Review. My name is Jason Spies. Thank you, folks, for joining us this week. Our next segment, we're bringing to you a portion of our pilot program. Starting in the first week of January, we will be doing a morning show here at the Crude Life, available at thecrudelife.com, as well as our mini distribution outlets out there. If you'd like to check it out, you can check it out any time of the day, of course. It doesn't have to be in the morning, but... This is part of our program. We have uh, my co-host, Sterling. He comes to us through Saudi Arabia, and uh, he's an American citizen. He went to school in Saudi Arabia on an American compound, which uh, Ramco, Standard Oil, had a place there. And they had schools and golf courses. It was a little city, small town, right there in Saudi Arabia. And uh, that's where Sterling grew up. So he brings a completely different perspective from the oil and gas world, literally living in an oil and gas community. I mean, we talk about an oil and gas community, but Sterling, he is an oil and gas community. So uh, we're going to be joining him right now about some stories from Saudi Arabia. Story from Sterling and when he lived in Saudi Arabia, and I want to find out about the school he went to. At, so you mentioned second grade? 
Yeah, went over there in second grade and was there till ninth grade. And your dad worked for Ramco in communications. Yeah, yeah, communications engineer. How many people were in your class? The like the graduating class? No, at, just like in second grade. When you got there, I mean, yeah, was it five, you know, it was probably, ten? No, no, it was probably pretty average. It was probably like uh, 15, 20. Okay. Yeah, and okay. it was a mix. You know, it was uh, it's Americans, Brits, Australians. There was people from Pakistan. There was kids there from Africa, uh, Eastern English Europe. speaking? Everybody, you know, English speaking, but actually the first couple of years they taught uh, Arabic to us. Okay. Um, and then they gave it up. Uh, my dad said because at that point they were nationalizing it. And math? Were, math, yeah. English? English. Yeah. Okay. PE. Dude, the schools we had were epic. I mean, they were, you're talking about Saudi Aramco, you're talking about an oil company, right? They, they turned their attention towards <laughs> building a compound for people. These schools yeah. were compound huge. Compound is not Ted Kaczynski compound. <laughs> no, 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 no. No, it's, it's Monty Burns compound. Yeah. It's Richie Rich yeah, You know, just, just imagine, you know, uh, every school had a great gym. Every school had a nice library. You know, there was a grade school and there was uh, two junior highs, you know, so you, or a junior high. So you had, you had it just like small town America in a lot of ways. Uh, the teachers were a mix of American and international teachers, you know, so you got some cool perspectives. And of course, we had different classes at different times of the day because the week over there is Saturday, Sunday is your Monday and Tuesday. Thursday, Friday is your Saturday, Sunday. What now? Yeah. Okay. So the what, week, what do you mean the, by that? Well, the weekend over there was Thursday and Friday. Okay. So the weekend is Thursday and Friday. Yeah. So I got up Saturday morning and started my week at school. Really? Well, yeah. I'm watching Saturday morning cartoons. Know, You're man. going to school? Yeah, it was a weird adjustment. As a kid, that was probably the coolest thing you would tell somebody about living in Saudi Arabia. That you went to school on a Saturday? <laughs> yeah. Okay, cool, I guess. Uh, but no, you know, I mean, it was a different calendar year over there, you yeah. know? You know, that kind of stuff. So, yeah, it was a, it was a great experience, but uh, no expense really paid on that compound and the education that we got. Are they a Friday worship? Daily. Five, daily daily five times a day okay yeah. uh, prayer call yeah well i know the the old testament is um which would be jewish a jew jewish saturday and then the new testament sunday right it's kind of the blanket <laughs> broad brush stereotype and uh and so i never knew the muslim if that that's just if it was friday no or just it's every day? Uh, it's it's five times a day okay in fact when you're five shop- times a yeah. day if you're shopping downtown uh places close for prayer time usually about 25 30 minutes if you're in a restaurant you can't leave or you can't go in until prayer time's over um yeah i mean you just those are things you just got used to because you were a guest in that country and we were always treated really well as westerners um but you know you got to respect the culture well, yeah and, and i can see that where you would mm-hmm. without a doubt but uh i did five times a day five times a day you know i'm catholic and i thought you know and you know. again as a kid where that affected me as an american living there is on the news or on the the tv channel five times a day it would cut usually in the middle of a show yeah to prayer and remission for 30 minutes, you know, or 15, 20 minutes, something like that. I was just saying, you know, Catholic. So I, I understand, you know, daily devotion. And, yeah. I mean, I was an altar boy. <laughs> and guilt, I think, right? Private school. By the way, did you guys have fire drills? We had fire drills and we had duck and cover. Now, what's duck and cover? Oh, you know, we did tornadoes. Getting un- yeah, getting under your desk. Okay. Was yeah. that uh, for tornado? I imagine you guys had tornadoes and stuff. Uh, you know, if I remember right, it was usually talked about as like if there was a well explosion, although there wasn't a refinery really close to Dahran, um, but there was, you know, not too far away. And then, but I think also the Iran-Iraq war was going on when was I first moved normal over to do that in the school? Or was there, when was that? Uh, well, I moved over there in 82. 
So the Iran-Iraq war was just kind of winding up or still going, I think, pretty strong. So, so that was, was a concern, too. Yeah, there's a missile concern. Yeah, missile, and, rockets, that kind of stuff. And a lot of times the oil refineries are target number one. Yeah. And, you know, like my dad said, if one of those went, it probably would shatter windows, you know, 30, 40 miles away. So when you hear the whatever presidential candidate talk about American energy independence, you you know firsthand what that is. Well, yeah, our independence for my <laughs> lifetime is came via Saudi Arabia, you know, right? But you know, we're in a much better position now uh, as a country. It mm-hmm. looks like where we don't we don't have that kind of dependency. We did. Um, I mentioned I went to a private Catholic school. Uh, for my elementary years, and we would do tornado drills and nuclear. Yeah. Nuclear. Yeah. And for the nuclear drills, they brought us down into this, like, boiler room. Well, you guys actually had, like, a a basement. Dirt floor. Nice. Dirt floor boiler room, because this is an old church add-on type thing. And I just remember thinking to myself, going... I'm not sure this is where I want to stay. If it, right. if, if it is going to actually happen, I'm yeah. not sure I want to be down here with a hundred people. Well, you know, at least that's got some possibility. The idea of climbing <laughs> under your desk. <laughs> right. I mean, well, that well, the whole tornado go under your desk. Yeah. I thought that was a joke to when I was in second grade, I yeah. could see the flaws in that. Towards the, Well, you know what we would do towards the end of my time in Saudi Arabia is they'd still do a duck and cover drill, but instead they moved us all into the hallways, and you had a book. So a book. You, you carried one of your books with you, and you held it over the back of your head. And the book was? Basically to prevent flying debris, like glass. Yeah, like a hard hat. Did you guys have hard hats? We didn't. But the okay. schools, you know, they were solid concrete form schools. These were okay. meant to withstand things. Wow. Okay. That's a... Uh pretty interesting and then uh boarding school for high school right yeah uh, i mean in L- junior high that was you know another advantage of working uh, my dad's job at aramco is that they paid i think it was somewhere between 70 and 80 percent of boarding school so you had to leave the country mm-hmm. after ninth grade uh but you know i had the opportunity to look at boarding schools all over the world and make a decision oh that's neat yeah okay yeah when I went to the private school, it was uh, back when they were desperate, so it was based on your income. <laughs> right. And then they got out of that and said, okay, you can go now because you can't afford us anymore. Yeah. So. <laughs> yeah. Well, hey, man, boarding school, I, we, we never would have been able to afford boarding school without a Ramco. I mean, you're talking back in the 90s, it was 19000 a year. You know, and I'm sure it's probably 30. It's outrageous. Probably even more yeah. from that. So, I mean. no, all of that, all of that opportunity came out of my dad working his butt off to get a job over there as a contractor and then get hired on full time and bring us over there. And, you know, he's 83 now. So he had to retire mandatory retirement at 60 uh, from Aramco. But he'd work over there today if he could. Is he still alive? Oh, yeah. Is he, uh, what does he think about this oil and gas business and the president talking about banning it and all that stuff? You know, most of the people that worked over there and that the, I've had experience with, you know, it, it's, you can say that, but the realism is it's what moves the world, you know? And even if you're going to phase it out, you're never going to be able to shut it off unless we just don't want to have heat, AC, water. I mean, you know, it's, it's so just not practical. Yeah, the, you know, I found people that grew up in an oil and gas community overseas or, or even in the United States have a more practical view. They can care about the environment, but also understand you're going to have to have oil and gas help you get there. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I think we're probably less extreme than your average person that didn't grow up around I, it. I've noticed that, at least with me, when I started noticing what was going on, I was confused. 
Like I was really, like I told you, I said, when, when I first heard it as a journalist, I would have put these presidential candidates in the fringe category because if anybody else would have came out and said something as extreme as to say, let's reverse our entire economy, let's reverse our entire this and that way of life. That that that's an extreme thought, you know, and that's the problem is that so many things like that get thrown out. And but I don't believe that's actually going to be able to happen. I mean, and that was Sterling, the co-host of Play Hard, Work Hard, the Crude Life Morning Show. To check out the entire morning show or to check out other exclusive interviews, visit thecrudelife.com. That's thecrudelife.com. While you're there, be sure to check out and join our ever-growing army of energy enthusiasts at thecrudelife.com. Click on the social media pages from the YouTubes to the Twitters and even the Facebooks. We've got uh, do, uh, maybe even Instagram this year. We're looking at Instagram in 2021, but hey, we gotta be we got to be social before we can be social, folks. Okay, all right. Coming up next, it's Fossil Fuel Fridays. My name is Jason Spies. This is the Crude Life Weekend Review on the Crude Life Media Network. Well, I'm just waiting, I'm just waiting for another train to come around. The Crude Life is sponsored in part by... When it comes to making money, they say buy low and sell high. That's what they say. Well, right now is a great time to invest in the oil and gas industry. Almost anyone can invest in the oil and gas industry, and Swan Energy wants to help you out. Their joint venture structure is constructed to protect you during all phases of the partnership process and investment. They offer a direct participation in oil and gas projects to partner approved investors. To find out more information about how you can invest in the oil and gas industry, contact Swan Energy today. Visit their website, swanenergyinc.com. That's swanenergyinc.com. Today is a great day to invest in oil and gas. Welcome back to the Crude Life Week in Review. My name is Jason Spies. Thank you, folks, for joining us. Coming up next, we're going to hand the baton off to Matthew Hill, Ken Lavin of Fossil Fuel Fridays. Hey, everybody. I'm Matt Hill. I'm with Night Energy Services. Ken Lavin with Winter Mud. Jason Spies with The Crude Life, and today, the industrial forest, because we're on our end of the leg tour after going to Oklahoma City, down to the Permian, down to Midland, Odessa, back up to OKC, and here we are at the magic hour. The magic, the magic hour. hour here for this special broadcast of a repeat, repeat edition of Fossil Fuel Fridays, folks. Jason Spies here, Matt Hill, Ken, Lavin? Yes, sir. Make sure we pronounce that right. Look at that. The lights are fading right now before our eyes, guys. So let's get right to it. I am here today in Oklahoma to announce that we are going to start the construction of an industrial forest in 2021 in September. 
2021 right here in Oklahoma, and we are looking for builders because it takes an industry to build a forest. Guys, take it over while I grab these special markers. We got visual aids, folks, visual aids. I love it. Guys, Fossil Fuel Fridays is always about promoting exciting ideas that supports each other in our industry and bringing you people that we just, you know, think are spectacular additions to what we do to provide energy. Jason came up with an idea that I think is just um, just so great for our industry, and obviously everybody, our optics on our industry sometimes, you know, we all can do a lot better job of promoting uh, just how important, you know, the work we do is. So, with Jason's help, he's created the Industrial Forest. He wants to find partners to plant trees. I mean, partners to plant trees is a simple idea, and with the help of anybody in the oil and gas that can participate, please reach out to him and let him know that you're interested in what he's doing to plant trees for the you know oil field. Have him in a special area. Guess what? You get your stone with your logo on it if you plant a tree, right? This thing is a genuine stone, and these are stones that are recycled from Mama Earth. These are Pennsylvania bluestone here. We talked to the rock dealer down in Amarillo. We're going to actually create some new industrial jobs through this. So not only do you sponsor a tree, we call it rooted marketing, rooted marketing, rooted marketing. depending on how you want to look at it. Because when you sponsor a tree, you plant, you plant a seed, baby. You plant a seed. But not only do you plant a seed for a tree, well, actually, you plant a tree like, well, more like one of those than, than this. This is in a few years. But what you get is you actually get this stone as a marker. So instead of just putting an X in the ground, nope. You'll come out, the school kids will come out, the community will come out, and they'll see this or the industrial logo, nice. the industrial forest logo, so your company logo or the industrial forest logo, or you know what, maybe both. And after, buy as many logos as you want, plant as many trees as you want. Do you know why? Because we're going to hire people to create these. These are mixed media industrial artists. Imagine that. Industry is not only going to save the forest, but we're going to create jobs and create an art economy too. So think of this, we're going to build sustainable forests, we're going to create industry jobs, and we're going to percolate the art community all within the local community right here in Oklahoma and in Texas, North Dakota, Minnesota, Colorado, and year number one. So we're going to do 50 states, a thousand trees in the next five years, 50,000 trees. It takes an industry to build a forest. Theindustrialforest.com. Guys, I'm running out of breath here in the beautiful city of Oklahoma. It's also a state, too. Yeah. Oh, great. Yeah. <laughs> I was going so good till the end. Boom, fall right yeah, off. We're keeping that. What are you that talking about? That was awesome. That was guys, perfect. Guys, listen. That's, are we going to edit that? No, okay. no, no we're, we're not. Not, we're not at all. Hey, he, here. Jason, of course, is one of our uh, favorite guys out there touring the country. Always keeping people excited about our industry. And I just always can't thank you enough for being a, a, another uh, hero and inspiration of our industry. Buddy. Thank you, guys. I appreciate it. And the magic hour looks like it's about over. So hashtag Fossil Fuel Friday. Repeat, repeat edition right here in Oklahoma City, Oklahoma. Guys, you whatever your outro nice. is. Matt Hill, Not Energy Services. Skin Lab in Winter Mud. We appreciate all you do. We Look at this it. dog right here. Oh, we got sweet We got here. Frackleberry. Oh, ready? Watch this. There she goes. There she goes.
Go. We're going to need more trees, everybody. Make sure you go and check out Industrial Forest. Thank you, guys. God bless. Take care. was Matt Hill and Ken Lavin of Fossil Fuel Fridays. Thank you very much, gentlemen, and your special guest. We absolutely love it when you guys stop by here at the Crude Life Week in Review. All right, that's going to do it this week for the Crude Life Week in Review. Once again, we'd like to thank Ken Lavin, Matthew Hill of Fossil Fuel Friday, as well as Colorado State Senator John Cook for coming by here on today's program. Once again, I'd like to invite you folks to go to thecrudelife.com and click on any one of our exclusive interview links. We also have got our social media pages from Facebook to YouTube to Twitter, LinkedIn as well. We're on many different platforms on the social media to increase our distribution. And of course, big thank you to the radio station here for being a part of the Crude Life Media Network. And we'll be back next week at this time on this radio station. And folks, if you're wondering about what to do in 2021, let me tell you what. If you have any questions about your local community, whether it's where to go get your COVID test, what businesses are currently open, call your local radio station. I'll tell you what, I've been in this business for a long time, and I've been in the newspaper business, I've been in the radio business, I've been in the internet business, I've been in a lot of different community media businesses. And right now, I do not know of anybody more in tune than a radio station. Radio stations are all about the hands-free, so from the farmers to the truckers to the people in the car to the people washing dishes, they have their radio on. And the news and information, they have got a pulse on what is going on in your local economy, your local community, better than anybody else. So if you have a question about your local, hey, you know what, you might even want to advertise. You might even want to know about an advertiser. You might want to know about a COVID test. Like I said, there's a number of different reasons why you might want to know some information about your local community. Please reach out to your local radio station. They will be more than happy to help you. All right, from the staff here at The Crude Life, we can review. My name is Jason Spies, asking you to always remember, energy is more than an industry, it's a way of life. A full gas tank and a few miles left Where all the lonesome souls go Who wrote the songs of living And now it's our souls
have no trouble with the treble There's no breaks in the place It's just you and me and baby Singing it like we did in the good old days Yeah, we're singing it like they did in the good old days Because we're back to the way The Crude Life is sponsored in part by... It takes an industry to build a forest. Hey folks, Jason Spies with The Crude Life. Did you know about half the trees planted in the last 20 to 30 years have died within the first year? Lack of watering, transplant shock, special interest groups, poor growing conditions are just a few reasons it takes an industry to build a forest, and that is exactly what the industrial forest does. Sustainability sheds, critical pipeline systems are implemented to ensure the forest survives and absorbs carbon for decades to come. It takes an industry to build a forest. If you're interested in sustainable forests, growing industry jobs, check out theindustrialforest.com. That's theindustrialforest.com.